Hey, thanks for queuing up the podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to make you aware of three music marketing resources with an emphasis on one in particular. There's a good chance you're already familiar with my flagship title called the Gorilla Music Marketing Handbook and perhaps even the 5-Minute Music Marketer. Both of those titles are well worth your time, but I want to make you aware of another title that doesn't quite get the attention as those two do. And that one is called The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing. I'm really proud of this book, and I think you would get a lot out of it. And basically what it covers is what I consider to be nine timeless principles of music marketing. So regardless of the new website, app, or tool, because they're always changing, as you know, these are principles you can apply no matter what. They're timeless. They tap into that eternal connection that people have with music and with music makers. So I think you would get a lot out of this book. It's available on Amazon in at least a dozen countries in both paperback and ebook formats. So go check it out. The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing. And now, enjoy the episode. Let's take a break from the non-stop coronavirus coverage. This episode features part one of a two-part interview with Lauren Elwell. She's an on-air personality at KC95, the longest-running rock radio station in the world. I'm calling this one Confessions of a Commercial Radio Veteran. Ooh, sounds mysterious. I met with Lauren in late February, in person, back when people could actually do that, and I think you'll really enjoy this one. So stay tuned. Welcome to the podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about commercial radio from the mouth of a veteran. Maybe we'll get some inside scoop on uh, what commercial radio is like these days and maybe some advice on maybe how to get exposure on radio of all kinds. But I'm really excited today because my guest is Lauren Elwell, who uh, on air goes by Learn. And so, hi, Lauren. I'm so excited to do this with you. I know. It's so good to see you again, Bob. I know because we've known each other for a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about how we uh, met last year. But uh, here's an opening question that I like to ask many of my guests. Um, so if you're at a party, okay, and you meet somebody for the first time, and they have no clue who you are or what you do, and they ask that common question, they say, uh, Lawrence, so what do you what do you do for a living? What do you tell me about yourself? How do you answer that question? It depends on the situation, because sometimes I want to talk about what I do, and then other times I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can um, see, yeah. <laughs> like, I just joined a new gym, and they asked me, what do you do, you know? And I I had a moment of reservation, and then I said, oh, well, I'm an on-air personality at Casey. And and so whenever I do answer truthfully, um, you know, people – and I've noticed this as time goes on. People are, depending on their age, are either really excited to know more about it yeah. or they just don't care and it's, like, normal. And I actually prefer when it's – they don't care and it's, like, normal and they're not all, ah, about it. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you, so I like that on-air personality at Casey. So for those, so I just want to clarify that I, I realize a lot of listeners to this podcast will not live in St. Louis, oh, okay. which is where it's my hometown. It's where we are. It's where you live um, and where Casey is. So Casey, let's kind of put this in perspective. Uh, Casey has a pretty impressive stature, especially in the, well, it's called, it's referred to as classic rock, uh, album-oriented rock, and it was really a pioneer, but I'm sure you know a lot more about this, even though I listened back in the early early yeah. days. But where, where does Casey sit in the history of like radio in this country? Right. So um, it began in 1967, mm-hmm. and it has not changed formats since then. And so that would place it at being, uh, what is it, 53 years old, and uh, that makes it the longest running rock station in the world. We are pretty sure. Yeah, because I was I'm not aware of any other. So re- it does really hold that stature. It does. There's no other station that started before or this. So. Yeah, for any station to maintain the same format for even a couple of years is, a, is an impressive feat, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. And even though it's changed, it's changed owners and everything, and it's mm-hmm. still so. There's something about it, and I'm going to date myself here, but I was I was in, I attended high school in the <clears throat> 70s, um, <laughs> and I was hardcore. Me and my friends listened to Casey all the time, and so you have to and put this in perspective. Classic rock, they were playing the cutting edge, yeah. you know, progressive, you know, rock music, uh, new music of the day back then and, and now obviously it's referred to as classic rock because I'm not sure how much new I mean I guess yeah Casey puts there's a little bit of new mu- music Sometimes. but it's usually from established artists right right so it's just it's tapping into that those memories of people that grew up with that music right yeah so Casey is near and dear to my heart so you for like eight years right you were you co-hosted the morning show with a guy named John Hewlett yes. who if you're in St. Louis he's an icon yeah he's uh, the public service announcer for or the public address announcer for your St. Louis Cardinals and he's been at Casey almost his entire career he did um, I believe one or two years maybe at um, a station or not even a year probably out in um, near Springfield Missouri I believe really small station and um, and then yeah he's been with Casey for Almost 50 years. Oh, yeah, so most of that run. Yeah. I remember him early on, yeah. Um, and so he's a, he's an icon, and you did the morning show there, which is 6 a.m. to – well, the morning show is 6 to 10, but you stayed on till 1 Till 1 o'clock. Yeah, that's very good, yeah. And you and you did that for eight years? For eight years. So I've, uh, I've been on some morning radio shows off and on over the years, and I just know that uh, – your shift starts at six, right? Mm-hmm. So you pretty much have to like you're setting your alarm for like four a.m. Mm-hmm. Mo- I mean, every morning, and you did that for almost a decade. Well, and then you recently shifted, mm-hmm. just like weeks ago, I believe, till the afternoon drive, right. which is two to six p.m. So I was curious, how did you? What was your life like? I mean, you get up <laughs> at four a.m. Um, it was very years. scheduled. Mm-hmm. I mean, I a lot of people would talk about like, oh, do you ever get used to it? And it, I did get used to it, it mm-hmm. but I was always very cognizant of what time it was. Yeah. For eight years solid. And it didn't, like on the weekends, I was always, uh, like on Friday nights, I would be very tired. And then like Saturdays, I would try to stay out late. And I just, I wasn't a night owl anymore. And I was a forced morning bird. And, um, you know, so my life was good, but it was just always very cognizant of what time it was. Especially on weeknights, right? Yeah, Getting to bed early enough. Absolutely. Did you, like, were, so were you an, uh, a, a, or a, a night owl or an early riser prior to that, or did you had to adjust? I had to adjust. Okay, it so did not I, come naturally. I was, uh, I'm a night owl. Like, I love being wow. up late, and that's where some of my best ideas come from. And so having to shift to the morning life was very strange, but it, I did get used to it, and then... 
you know, whenever the opportunity came up for afternoon drive, I would always kind of daydream about the people I knew that had afternoon drive time slots. And I would Mm -hmm. think, gosh, they can, they get off early, like at six and they're able to go to dinner or a show. And then they don't have to, they could party or they could, you know, have a whole nother time. They could have another job in the evening, you know, like, so I, um, I always kind of reveled in wondering what that lifestyle is like. And now I'm living it for the last month. I've had that time slot. Yeah, just a month. It's still new. It's still. So how is that? How is that shift? I'm still getting up. I I set my alarm for 630 Mm -hmm. and I get up when my husband gets up and then he goes to work earlier than I. And then I have the morning that I need to get things done because now Mm -hmm. I don't have the afternoon to get them done like I normally did. And so now I have to get everything done in the morning and then I come into work at like noon and then I prep for my show, which starts at two. And then I get off at six and then I go do fun things like this. And then I have the whole night to do whatever. That's a completely different. And so I mentioned that you even you continued when you were doing the mornings, it was six to one. So that's a seven hour shift. Um, And now you have a four hour shift. So not only that. You've got less. Yeah, it seems like you're. It would almost seem to be like a relief in, in many ways. And I also, I'm a, I'm a hard. I have to be working all the time, and so yeah. I'm. That's a. That's been something to get used to as well as not having an abundance of thing like a, mm. so much time. Like everybody would say, "Oh my gosh, you do mm. seven hours. That's insane." Now it's people giving me a hard time about, "Oh, now you're doing four hours, you know, and you're <laughs> yeah. lazy. You can sleep in, and that doesn't sit well with me." So I, I'm. You, you overcompensate know, by doing having I, to take yeah. on other things. I have to. Yeah. yeah, I'm like maybe I could do something else. So you know, um, but I do. I like to have. I like to fill up my days and be as efficient as efficient as possible with my time and. Mm. So this is all just a transition period, and um, but I really am enjoying it. Well, good, good. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you and your background. And I got a ton of questions that I want to ask you and different aspects of this. But so, no, I, so I was born and raised in St. Louis and grew up on Casey. But are you originally from St. Louis? I'm not. You're not. I uh, was born in Carbondale, Illinois. Okay, not too far away. Yeah. yeah. And I um, I grew up in a little town called West Frankfurt, Illinois. And then I, my mom remarried and we moved to St. Louis about 21 years ago. And so I we lived downtown and then we built a house in the Illinois suburbs. And, um, and that's where I went to school. But I always like, I mean, I just loved St. Louis. And I, I was never like a rural town human. I've always wanted to be around a city. Living in a big city. Yeah, yeah. the big city. And, um, so I, I really do love St. Louis and I, I mean, I can't even remember my life necessarily as a kid being in a small town. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, did you grow up w- with music or having a love for music or did you play music or yeah, what, how, what role did music and, and maybe the radio or whatever play in your, in your life? Well, it, I, there was always music always. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad, they were divorced, but they each had uh, great music taste. My dad was like, very much um, Credence, Clearwater Revival, and Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac, and my mom has been the Rolling Stones and Aerosmith, and I, f- I found hip hop in my own way-, way with my friends and everything. So I've had a great, um, I've had a wonderful life full of all sorts of different music that I love, and from my generation to coming into the '90s and the grunge scene, mm-hmm. and like I, it all, music was always a part of me. I don't label myself as a music aficionado. I, I it's impossible. There's so much yeah. out there, right. but I definitely. Definitely have. Um, I love rock music the most, and being able to work at Casey, I never thought that that would even happen because I always thought, oh well, you have to be like a certain age to work there. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I swear I have an old soul, and they accepted me. So. So it's, let's speak of that. I, and I only heard you make a brief reference to this because um, yeah, let's let's uh, establish that you and I met at, at actually last year. So I one of the things that I do in the arts is I, I teach and perform improv comedy, um, and I have my own weekly 
uh, drop-in class every Thursday night. So if you're in St. Louis <laughs> or you're are you are you passing through uh, any Thursday night that you're here, it's, with rare ex- exception, you can come to my uh, to my improv class. Go to improvstl.com to learn more about about that. But I also do these four-week classes through the community college, like three, you know, one each semester. And I did one last June that you signed up for, and that's how we that's how we met. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I got to know you. Uh, and you were really I just, I just told you before we went on the air that you, yeah, you were very enthusiastic and embraced it. And uh, I would love Thanks. to see you do more of it, because <laughs> you have to improvise. Well, just we're all we all are improvisers in our in our lives, but. Because even though, well, yeah, and we'll talk about maybe the structure of commercial radio and how it's changed and all, and all that. But what you were doing, like the things that you did in the morning show with John were not pre-recorded. Right. I mean, you would go live, yeah, right? Yeah, we were organic. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you had to riff off of each other. So that's... And, we, and people loved and still do love that. Yeah. Like, you know, he and I have a great relationship and friendship, mm-hmm. and I just love him so much. And so we were able to... Once we found that flow, which it didn't take very long when we started the show in 2012, we, when I the first time I made John laugh and he, I realized where his humor lied. I I knew where I could come to because he and I have 26 years age difference. Like it's we don't have, and he's a sports guy. I don't care about sports. We had nothing in common besides ourselves and our personalities, and yeah. they really did uh, mesh well. And so when I made him laugh and when I would give him zingers or I would give him a hard time, our audience loved that. Like that was the one cool. thing we. We got complimented on the most is when I would give him a hard time or, you know, because they knew it was not in a malicious way. It was like in a loving way. Yeah, but yeah. also taking this icon in St. Louis and kind of poking the bear and making sure he, you know, his head didn't get too big. So, right. um, so no, and, and, and your class helped me so much because I feel like I really um, I'd never done anything like improv before I had done like plays in high school mm. and I'd always been I love improv and shows and I love SNL and even though that's um, bits but I I've always thought that people that are able to just think on their feet like that is so amazing and I wanted to test myself and challenge myself and that's why I signed up and I want to say that you having that experience and opening up in that way led me I actually started a band I got asked wow. to join a band last I, September I noted that on Facebook yeah I mean yeah and I'm and my husband you know who's supportive in all ways he was like okay you're in improv class and I was like and now I'm auditioning for this band and he's really? like who are you you know and <laughs> I but I've always wanted to do these wow. things and I'm having such a great time and I I really do thank your class and you were such a great instructor to push us not in a in any sort of bad way but push ourselves to be in that space that could be uncomfortable but allow it to just happen and to absorb the energy of the room and just wow. guide with your own brain it was really liberating. well thank you yeah and i saw that you and so i'm very flattered thank you for the kind words and i had no idea that the improv class actually kind of maybe led to or inspired you to start the band and we're going to talk about that too because <laughs> if you if you sing any songs from the 80s i do i've been doing acoustic 80s set it's called acoustic 80s with bob baker and friends mm. and i have friends come up and sit in on songs so all right. We need to talk. Maybe it's another way to collaborate <laughs> there. Um, one more thing, and then we're going to take a take a little break here. But so I, I remember you made a reference once to how you didn't go when you got involved. I, I believe with Casey, you said you didn't actually get into on air. You were like, were you working in marketing, or mm-hmm. you're, so tell me this briefly how you got involved in radio, and then how that led to an on air position. Yeah, because I think that's an interesting story, too. So I went to Illinois State, and I got my degree in mass comm with a concentration of radio and writing in English. And so I took that, and I um, 
came back home, lived in my mom's basement for a few months and finally got, I was actually John, we knew a mutual friend and I sent him an email and said, look, I'd really love to have an opportunity. I'm a barista right now, but I'm a hard worker. And I got my foot in the door and interned. It was not paid or anything or no credits uh, for the radio station. And then in 2008, the economic crash happened and um, I was able, when all these people unfortunately got fired, they needed people to facilitate what was going on and I was just like, I can do anything and I just was already in the promotions department with this internship and they gave me a part-time job so that got my foot in the door and then from there I I just always, I just absorbed everything that was going on and talked to people and understood the boundaries of everything like, you know, who, who does this job? Okay, great. Okay, what can I help with? You know, like that sort of thing. And um, I really just charged my way through the corporate ladder and from part-time to full-time with benefits to, you know, always telling my program director, I really want an on-air position to getting a a Sunday show that was very short-lived to, hey, we're going to throw you on mornings with John because I actually had another opportunity in Little Rock, Arkansas that I had applied for and they wanted me. And I said, look, I'm getting ready to leave, but I really want to stay. Is there anything? And there fortunately was, uh, you know, my boss at the time, Rick Bayless, said, yeah, we stay because something is going to happen. And then that was 2012. And then from there, we just killed it in ratings and like wow. been there ever since. That's amazing. So I didn't know that whole story. So that's almost, that's like the classic story you hear about somebody starting in the mailroom yeah. and working their way up to, well, the CEO. But, that, but that's a pretty impressive thing about your uh, determination. What, but was there something about you that, that led you to reach out to Casey specifically? Like said, that it just, you listened to it, I guess? Well, or are you, are you, yeah. I knew that it, Casey and 105.7 The Point were brother stations. And okay. so I I, I thought because of my age, I thought mm-hmm. I would have a better shot at getting on the point than I would Casey because I really did feel like I'm not good enough for that. <laughs> and then uh, and then really the station picked me and it was mainly because because of John connecting me with the marketing department and just networking into the building. Um you know, they, they saw how, and I, I really just, I had a blast. I loved the personnel I was working with and really that the, the idea of working for the point just kind of started shedding off of me where I thought, oh, they already have their people. And this station is giving me all these opportunities and I love this music anyway. And I love all the people I work with. And so it was really just kind of like they absorbed me and I, Loved it. Absolutely. That's, that like, ties in. It's just like I'm going to be doing a blog or a podcast, a separate podcast, uh, a solo one, talking about this very topic about an approach that I am realizing that I've taken more, you know, more, more throughout my life. And that's basically trying things or I, you'd identify something. I think that would be fun to do. So you pursue it. You just take one step in that direction and then you pay attention to the energy, you know. Mm-hmm. And so like improv became a huge part of my life because I just had I, I had a class with a group of friends. I didn't publicly announce it. I didn't start a business or anything, but there was a lot of energy. And when I would meet people at parties, even though I would tell them, oh, I do a lot of cool things. I'm a musician. I'm an author. And like, oh, I also teach improv. And their eyes would light up. So like yeah. it got energy and attention and people started showing up to my classes. And I go, oh, so just like you go where the energy is taking you and where people are responding, right? Well, it's yes and. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah? it's physically yes and by mm-hmm. saying yes and then and seeing where it is going to take mm-hmm. you. And yes and is an improv principle for those of you who don't know. It's the rock bottom. <laughs> 
bottom. Improv is based on agreement, but we'll have to save that for another show. So I'm going to take a break here, and then when we come back, um, we're going to continue our conversation with Lauren Elwell, who goes by Learn on the air. I assume that's like a shortened version of, you know, Lauren. Yeah. Maybe from a rural, I don't know, hey, Learn. Well, my grandma said, would call me Lauren, but actually a friend in high school gave me the nickname Learn. So even before you were on on, on the air, and then it kind of stuck. That's L-E-R-N. That's how how you spell that? Is Mm -hmm. that? But we're going to talk about, you got a podcast, maybe a little bit more about the band. Oh, I'm really excited to ask you about your brushes with greatness. Who are some of the rock stars that you've met that are the coolest? I don't know if you want to talk about who were not the coolest, but maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that when we return after this very brief break. I just wanted to take a few seconds to say if you're listening to this podcast on Apple or Spotify or one of the other podcasting platforms, please consider subscribing. It's really easy to do. There should be a subscribe or a follow button somewhere on the page here, and that way you won't miss any upcoming interviews. I also do a lot of solo episodes where I'm dishing out marketing and career advice for creative people of all kinds. That includes musicians as well as writers and artists and actors and on and on. So if you haven't done that already, go ahead and do so now before you get distracted. Also, over the decades, I have written and published many books for creative people, including the Guerrilla Music Marketing Handbook, The Empowered Artist, The Passion Principles, The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing, The DIY Career Manifesto, and many, many more. All of my titles are available on Amazon and at least a dozen countries around the world. And six of those titles are available as audiobooks on Audible, Amazon, etc. So if any of that speaks to you, go seek them out on Amazon and Audible. And I'll also include links to them in the show notes of this episode. Thanks, and now back to the interview. All right, we're back in the studio here with Lauren Elwell, a.k.a. Learn, from KC95. One thing I didn't mention earlier, um, so I've been podcasting for many years. I actually first started podcasting in 2005. Wow. Um, yeah, a long, a long time. I've been very inconsistent, <laughs> though, in my frequency. Sure. <laughs> so there will be, you know. You and Mark uh, Marin started this whole thing. That's right. Yes, I was a, I was, <laughs> I was a trailblazer. And so I've done uh, most of the interviews that I have done uh, have been via Skype, you know, if I'm not the same in the room or the same city or country even sometimes. Um, and then the only in-person interviews I've ever done, I mentioned to you earlier was with, on my phone. I'll be at a mm-hmm. conference or something. I'm just passing the phone back and forth in the little voice memo app. So this is the first time, though, there's this in St. Louis. We're in the new Shock City podcast studios at a place called Medici Media Space, which is kind of like a co-working space that I'm a member of in St. Louis. And, and uh, it, it just opened like a month ago. You're the beautiful. F- you're the first interview that I've had in this pro- professional Lovely. surrounding. So I can't wait to hear what it sounds like. We have to get a selfie also oh, or, yeah. or a photo together. Before we Definitely leave. with the Shock City yes. behind us. It's such a cool logo. Yeah, yeah, it's really a, a neat, a neat space. So if this goes well, I may do more of these in-person uh, interviews. So I'm really loving this. So what I want to talk now, because I've seen you make reference, I think, to this on Facebook. And uh, the one thing about uh, working at a, a station as established as Keishi is that you probably have a chance to meet some of the, some of some of the people that come through town when they're touring yeah. and do 
doing promos, and uh, they don't probably necessarily come on the morning show, but I'm guessing you go to events or meet and greets or backstage, oh, yeah. or, or you, you, have you done a lot of like in, introductions at concerts mm-hmm. where you get out there in front of thousands of people? Stage intros, yeah. Well, that would, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, and so tell me, uh, yeah, who are some of the favorites, like who are some of the really goosebump <laughs> moments that you've had? <laughs> who are some of the coolest people that you've met? Um, I always like to tell the story about how I met Jimmy Fallon. Because oh, okay. um, I, I meet a lot of musicians, and that's in itself amazing. But yeah, there's yeah. nothing like meeting somebody out of the TV. I just think it's so cool. Um, yeah. So Jimmy Fallon, right before he landed The Tonight Show, he had Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. And when he announced that he was going to The Tonight Show to take that over, he did this kind of temporary run of comedy shows with these up-and-coming comics, and he had booked a show for Peabody Opera House. And so I got tickets to that show, and I have loved Jimmy Fallon forever. Yeah, yeah. And so um, a good friend of mine who works at once Peabody, now Stiefel Theater, uh, knew that I loved him so, and I would always talk and gush about how great he was. And I could never watch his show live because I had to get up so early. That's right. You know, so him coming to St. Louis was a really big deal. And so my buddy over at Stiefel said, hey, uh, he called me the day that it was that Tim and I, my husband, were going to the show. He goes, hey, you have one hour. Can you get down here? Do you want to meet Jimmy Fallon? And I, like almost died. I was so excited. And so I told my husband, like, get home, we have to go. And we lived in Maplewood at the time. And so we drove down there and we ended up crashing uh, former blues player, David Backus. He was having a meet and greet with his wife, with Jimmy Fallon. And then it was just my husband and I. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh my God. And it was so cool. And I, I brought him, we have this coffee table book about the, it was the 40 years of Casey that um, this guy who's local, uh, um, John Neiman, made this coffee table book with all the memories and interviews Mm -hmm. with DJs from the station. And I got a copy of that book, and I signed, congrats on the Tonight Show. I love you so much, you know, way to go, love, learn. And I, when I met him, I gave it to him and I said, look, you know, you're a music fan. This is the oldest rock station in the world. Um, You know, and he, he was exactly how I wanted him to be as a person. He was just so uh, involved in meeting us and he loved, he flipped through the book and he, you know, really took his time. And it was one of those moments where I fangirled out big time. Totally. Yeah, he's an amazingly a talent, talented guy. I mean, I watched him on Saturday Night Live. And I'm sure he has an improv him. background, yeah. too, that oh, all totally. those SNL people do. But I've been amazed at how talented he is in so many areas. Uh, he's a great singer. Yes. He, yeah, and he plays the guitar. Right. Um, so he's got to be a music Yeah, obviously a music fan, He's too. a big music fan. And, I, you yeah. know, he has The Roots as his house band yeah. on The Tonight Show. And I just love that whole um, show. I just think from whenever it was late night to what it is now, he's— He's a great person, too, which is at the heart. And I I remember thinking to myself, like, I hope that he's as sweet and I hope he's exactly what I hope he is, you know, and whenever I met him and he was, I mean, it was like meeting Mickey Mouse. It was crazy. <laughs> Mickey so. Mouse. That's so funny that that Jimmy Fallon would be above any of the other rock stars. Um, but since it is a music, yeah, yeah. Casey and, and classic rock. Yeah. Can you, can you drop a couple other, sure. other names too that were, um, that were fun? So I, you know, friend of the show, Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon. Oh, yeah, we yeah. love Kevin Cronin. Um, I've met um, James Young from uh, Styx and, uh, Tommy Shaw, who I love, you know, I both wore cut off shorts together at a show. Um, let's see. I've met um, Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie. I've met Slash from Guns N' Roses. That's so awesome. Uh, Dave Mason. I've sat with him. Um, goodness. I'm try- I've met Shep Gordon, Alice Cooper's legendary manager, who's awesome. 
So that concludes part one of the interview. Stay tuned for part two, where I ask Lauren about the realities of commercial radio today. She shares some clever ways to sneak your music and other content onto radio stations. We also talk about ways you can effectively use your voice to make an impact, to attract an audience, and maybe to even make money with it. All of that is in store with part two, so keep an eye out for it. Thanks so much for listening. This is Bob Baker saying so long for now.